good that you join us today. Good to be in the house of God. You know, God is just bringing, drawing different types of people here and different backgrounds, different ethnicities. Just love it all. That's just a picture of what the church is meant to be, right? Young, old, in between, all generations belong together in the church. No segregations, no major distinctions that will make us separate, but everything, all our differences to make us come together as one. That's the way God designed it. Such an incredible God that we serve, isn't it? Yeah, so so good that you're here in the house of God today. We're well into our um, our theme um, for this month. It's called Strengthen, and I'm going to take that Strengthen theme. I don't want to push it a little bit further even into next uh, month because I think there are some very key things that we need to be talking about as a church today that may be relevant for this time and this season. Hence, we brought forth this strengthen theme, and I think it's so important. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, let's dedicate this time to God. Father in heaven, you are so good to us. You care for every single one, each of us individually, and we thank you that you gathered here. We thank you for all the adults, young people, young adults, children, young couples. We pray for the children, the infants, the moms, nursing moms. We pray for even those babies that are in the womb, Lord. Be the blessing on every person here in the name of Jesus. I pray that this would be a time when you minister to us by your spirit. Thank you for your word this morning as we hear it today in the auditorium. May it go past our minds, go deep into our hearts, and be translated into our feet. So it just brings blessing individually into our lives. And most of all, it brings glory unto you. It tells people how good you are. So thank you for this word today. Bless it as it comes forth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you hand me that water bottle, sweetie? Thank you. Okay, so we're uh, theme scripture. Uh, thank you. For this um, month of strengthen is this one found in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. This is from the New King James Version. Very key strategic words that I believe that God is trying to say to us. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. Key words. And, you know, I shared last week, excuse me, that I really felt, even though I was preparing the message last week, that God was saying to me specifically and and, tr- and say, uh, you need to tell everyone that, that God has saying, I'm looking for bigger baskets. I'm looking to enlarge the vessels. And who are the baskets that God is talking about? Who's the, uh, who enlarged, who does he want to enlarge? You and I. And the church is, of course, like a vessel, a basket of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about this powerful place that church has in our lives and should play in the lives of people we don't even know Jesus yet, but this powerful place called church. Because much of what I see in the church today is becoming more and more unbiblical. And much of the church uh, in North America particularly has drifted away from God's original design, his purpose, and therefore his power. And 
and I see that as I, and it's not all church. I'm just talking about, you know, sometimes I look at a great part of the church is, is becoming, has become, has become more of a, of, a, of a gathering for people rather than for the presence and the power and the purpose of God. Amen? I think, he's, I think we kind of sense that. To me, church is essentially about three major things. It's on the screen. Three major things. Of course, church is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But it's, it's more than that. It's also about community. You know, it's about Jesus, his, his kingdom, his kingship, his, his, his kingship, his will, his word. But it's also about community. It's about people coming together in his name. People are saved by the blood of Christ and they're in relationship and, and in families. We are the family of God. But it's more than that. It's also about mission. Mission. That there's a purpose for and a reason why God has drawn us together, right? And I think for overall, as a church, we do pretty good on the first two. We do fairly good on Jesus and community. But it's that last part that I think that God is trying to bring a greater emphasis into our lives. Amen? You know, I remember as a as parents going up in Tabor, and um, every Sunday, our two kids always wanting to sleep in on a Sunday. Did you experience that? And I know I, how many times I used to go up to their bedroom doors and knock on their doors and yell to that door, time to get up, time to go to church on, on Sunday. And you probably heard that story of the mom, of a mom who walked into her son's bedroom early in the morning, and she just walked in and she just flung open the curtains and all that light came flooding into that dark room and she yelled at her son, time to get up. And her son kind of blurry-eyed, wakes up blurry-eyed and says, you know, give me two good reasons why I should give up. And, and, uh, and she says to him, I'll give you two, two good reasons. Number one, it's Sunday morning. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> I think the... Um, it's an old story. All I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? It's worth to get up for. Sunday is just not another day, is it? You know, never before have children, um, uh, teenagers, young couples, singles, people so badly needed the church like they're needing it today, right? You know, it, it, you know today it seems like everything could be done online. You can do everything, almost everything online. You think about it. You can actually work from online. People don't even have to move. They can work from their place and do work in another province. You can go to school online. You can attend conferences and, 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 um, conferences and concerts. Yeah, that's the word, concerts online. Um, you can buy groceries online. You can do all these things. I heard when we were buying our house, we thought, and I, I was talking to a lawyer. He said, well, you could actually, I sold this house to, uh, I was working on this house transaction in another province, and everything was being done online. You could almost buy a house online. You know, so everything has the potential to be very impersonal, impersonable. And particularly during the COVID lockdowns, Zoom became the norm, didn't it? So much it became the norm. And so our bodies and our minds got ad are adjusting to the new norm, and we've been enjoying some of the comforts and conveniences. But listen, our souls know something is missing. We were created for company. We were created for fellowship. Church is a huge deal, and we all need church, don't we? So we're going to look at 
Psalm 84. And I want to tell you, much of what I teach and what I'm preaching is stuff that I learned just the day before. But, you know, there's some, I've never known this about Psalm 84. But Psalm 84 was written by the chief musicians, the sons of Korah, which is very significant. And we're going to talk about that significance in a few minutes. Psalm 84 this is written by the Psalm, by the sons of Korah, and this is what they declare. How lovely is your tabernacle. Tabernacle. Tabernacle is the church. Tabernacle is the house of worship. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Say with me, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. What is Zion? Zion is the church. We'll go to verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who's, who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. What a great psalm. You know what the psalms are? They were songs. A psalm is actually a song. They sung to these words, right? And when you think about it, throughout the history of God, and even in the New Testament, till now, lots of songs have been written, haven't they? There were probably, you know, even in this time, there were probably thousands of songs being written. But we know what God did. He did something very special. He took 150 of these psalms, and he put them in the Word of God. It's like the, it's like the, the top 150, right? The top 150. You're thinking about the psalm. Each, each psalm, so powerful, so special. Psalm 93 is probably the most famous psalm. What's Psalm 93? It's the psalm of God's care and comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 51. You know, if you're struggling with sin, great psalm to read. Great psalm to meditate and confess. It'll cleanse you. It'll cleanse you of your sin. So read Psalm 51. How about Psalm 90? Psalm 90, what is it? It is a psalm of protection. Man, if you're, if you're fearful and you're afraid at that time, read Psalm 91. Wow, so powerful. And declare those words over your life. Psalm 84. You know what it's called? It's called the, 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 the Pearl of Psalms. This psalm, it's called the Pearl of Psalms. Do you know why? Because it's actually referring to this, directly speaking to this thing called pilgrimage. The Jews 
were the Hebrews of that time were 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 commanded by God, expected by God to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, not just once, but up to three times a year, this journey to Jerusalem. They had to make this journey to Jerusalem, and they had to take their whole family on this long journey pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And this psalm is speaking directly to these people. So, when you think about this psalm, and and you think about this, this pilgrimage, and so special, so integral, so vital and special, a part of the human of, of the Hebrew, Hebrew life was this traveling, this journey to the house of God. And as they journeyed to the house of God, they would pass through all these towns and villages, and other families would come and join us. Join them on this long journey up to Jerusalem. And it, it was incredible. And it was not just people walking along. They had uh, carts being pulled by mules. Uh, they might have rode camels. on a, and, they, and, you know, they had these carts so that they could put up tents for the journey along the way. Because it was a long journey. And they had children and, and infants with them. Everybody was going up to the house of God. And it was a happy joyful celebration it was a it was a festive time and 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 they were they were going up to the to jerusalem to the house of worship to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords and they were so excited about it as they went up and they would sing songs as and and as they went along journeying and they mixed the songs with clapping and dancing it was it was it was an incredible time it was the family thing to do you remember in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, when Jesus was about 12 years old and his parents took him up to Jerusalem. Remember that story? And then they were there for a few days and they left and, and Jesus' parents had, had joined all the procession which had come from Nazareth to Jerusalem and they, were, they had gone back for about a day and suddenly Mary and Joseph were like, where's Jesus? Where is he? They thought he was way back there in the professional line with maybe some of the relatives. No, where was he? He was back at the temple. He was sitting. No, he was, he was sitting with the teachers, the scholars, and he was amazing them with his wisdom and understanding. But, but when they were, this is, that's what it was all about. They were going, returning home from the journey to Jerusalem. And they were journeying, they were, they were going back. They were returning in this pilgrimage from Jerusalem. So today, I want to talk to you about this powerful place called church and how powerfully significant it, the house of God was for those people in, in that time and how powerfully significant it is for us today. This journey from, to Jerusalem, it wasn't just a few hours. For most of them, it took up to three to four days. And I found out that that Jerusalem, is, Jerusalem, the city, is actually built on seven mountains. Seven mountains. So that when they were making this journey, you know what you know, it was? It wasn't downhill. It was all uphill. And there's another interesting fact about Jerusalem. Geographically, Jerusalem is what was called the center of the earth. The center of the earth. During Middle Age, the Middle Ages, map makers placed Jerusalem at the exact 
center of the world, according to biblical descriptions. Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. Now, the Hebrew meaning of that verse, center of the nations, means navel of the earth. Jerusalem at that time was a very significant place. Jerusalem, even at this time, is a very significant place, isn't it? You think about what's happening in this world? Jerusalem seems to be in it, right? And there's something so special about Jerusalem. So this journey to Jerusalem, it was challenging. It was hard. Excuse me. It was tough. It was full of hills, and and it was literally uh, going up. It seemed like they were always going uphill. Listen, getting to the house of God required effort. It wasn't just all fun. It required effort. But there was something Something in the minds of these worshipers that, that superseded all the challenges, the obstacles, the inconveniences that would keep them from getting to the house of God. You know, it's kind of like the times we live in right now. We have before us obstacles, restrictions, but our passion, our passion should like the, the people of old, it should supersede all the restrictions and all the excuses that we could easily give into that could keep us from the house of God. Do you agree with that? You know, I don't know if you've heard it, but there are health warnings coming out again about the new variant, and it's supposed to be 20 times as deadly as COVID-19. You know, and, and, they're, and they're talking about that. And I'm thinking, like, how do they know that? How, how can they announce that even a year, a year and a half before it actually happens? You know? So I'm concerned about what I'm hearing. Like, you know, and, um, and, and they're going <laughs> to... Anyway, it's called Disease X. And I tell you, Disease X is going to scare the pants out of... Out of it's it's going to scare the pants out of, off a lot of people. And it's going to keep a lot of believers from going to the house of God. But let me tell you, we need to have the right information. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Whether it's coming or whether it's not, I don't know for sure. But I have a sneaking suspicion that it could be a thousand times more deadly than COVID-19. But God's power supersedes all of that. Amen? God's power seats on. He protects his people. Amen? And we need to put our hope and our trust and our attention onto God, onto true facts and true sources. I, and I talked to you, I don't know if Hal, is, Hal Roberts is here today, but if you know Hal, he's the uh, announcer on the, uh, Bridge City News. And I said, you know, if you want to watch anything, you want to get more factual, truthful stuff, watch Bridge City News. There, I, Hal would say, well, thank you for putting that plug in for me. You know, no matter what's happening in the world, it's worth going to the house of God. Amen? I know it's harder to get to the house of God, but I tell you, it's essential for every single Christian life. It's worth the trip. It's worth the trip. It's worth every mountain that you have to go over. It's worth every mountain, valley that you have to go through. Amen? It's worth getting up for. Here's why. 
<clears throat> Number two, <clears throat> because some things can only be received from church. You can get only some things from church, like peace, joy, hope, salvation, purpose, are all found in the house of God. And here the, the, Psalms, the, uh, the sons of Korah says, there's nothing good that he holds back from those who worship him in his house, in his home. Amen? Psalm 48 is called the sister psalm to Psalm 84 and is also written by the sons of Korah. Listen to Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. And verse 2 says what? Beautiful for situation. Beautiful for situation. What does that mean? You know, actually we're talking about its, its geographic location. It's, it was lo- located high and above. You know, it was, it was on the mountain. It was lofty. And, and, but I think we could take that further and say, you know, it's not just geographically where it's situated. It's also beautiful in what it does for his people. Amen? It's, it's, it's beautiful for every situation. I say, if your marriage is in trouble, well, then come to this place because it's beautiful for your situation. If, you know, if, if, you're going, if your family's in trouble, then bring them to the house of God and Holy Spirit can touch them and help them. You know, and it's beautiful for, for every situation. You know, if you're sick, if you're worried, if you're stressed out, it's beautiful for your situation. And, and maybe, you're, it, maybe you're none of those. Maybe it's, you're totally the opposite. Maybe for you, right now, it's like, light, it, like you're on top of the world. And then it's perfect for your situation. It's the perfect place to come and to worship and to praise and to thank God, isn't it? The church is beautiful for every situation. Psalm 84, we said it's written by the sons of Korah, which is very significant. Let's put some light on this family called Korah. Number 16, I just put a, a, a slide up there, a, a picture, uh, tells us that Korah was one of Moses' leaders. And Korah led a rebellion, and it's all written in number 16. And he got in, and he persuaded 250 other leaders who were under Moses to rise up and to challenge Moses on his leadership. And he said, who are you, Moses, to tell us what to do? We all hear from God. And no, God wasn't pleased. Disrespect of the authority that God had put it in their lives. And the, what is and the Bible tells you? The earth swallowed up and, and that entire clan of Korah and two other families totally disappeared. All that family line seemed to have died that day. But, you know, if you keep reading Numbers 20, in Numbers, you go to Numbers 26, and it's not on your screen, but here's what Numbers 26, verse 11 says, The line of Korah, however, did not die out. Not everybody in that line died out. But, however, the following seven generations of Korah's ancestors, God forbid them to come in to the tabernacle to worship in the house of God. For, so for seven generations, no one from that family line could go to the house of God. And if you read through the Psalms, like Psalm 42, is the sons of Korah. And you see, you hear the anguish in their heart, the yearning and the longing of their heart for God, for the house of God, 
in the midst of their distresses. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul, soul pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go, used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Do you hear that in, their, in, in, in those words? The, the anguish, the longing for the house of God? So for seven generations, they were under a restriction of worship ban until the time of Samuel the prophet. Just a, just a little over a hundred years later, Samuel the prophet comes from the scene and he's from the line of Korah. And it changes everything. God in his faithfulness changed the destiny of that whole clan. And we see from the sons of Korah, the, we get some of the most beautiful songs with such incredible uh, depth of emotion and such a heightened sense of the awareness of, of, of the worship and praise of God. And so, after seven generations, they're finally allowed to go to the house of God. And so we see why Psalm 84 is so special. And there's such an expression of joy and relief in this psalm. So let's read just that first verse of Psalm 84 in the light of this revelation. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. It's like they walk in and they're just blown away. Oh, man, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. See, this, this wasn't like, well, you know, it's like a take it or leave, or leave a decision for church. No, it's like, I got to get to church. I got to get, get to church because, because my, soul, my, my soul longs for it. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. You know, when you think about it, we're living in, in such a great place in North America. But there are millions of millions of Christians in places like China. Millions of, of Christians in places like Iraq who would, who would be, do, do anything to be able to go to the house of God. Amen? Psalm 122 is called a song a sense of a sense of David. Here's what David said. Psalm 122 verse 1. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of my of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. <clears throat> now, when David wrote this, he was fleeing from Jerusalem, fleeing, f- fleeing from his throne. His son Absalom 
was leading a conspiracy against him to take his kingship. Whenever another king took over another king, he always killed the competing king so that there would never be a comeback. So David was literally running for his life. And David was missing the house of God. And this is his, he's saying, you know, I love your house, God. You know, and the, may the people who love you love your house. Because there is peace and security within her. And because of my family and my friends, I seek the prosperity of your house. The house of God is for your family and is for your friends. Amen? Church is beautiful for every situation. There's no place like this place, is there? No place like this place. And Sunday, not just another day, is it? So, question. What makes a difference? What, or what difference does church make? Number three, church makes a huge difference. There was a study done recently that showed in North America that there are approximately 3.7 million evangelical Christians between the ages of 18 to 29 years old. And according to the current trend of what's happening, 2.3 million of these young adults will leave the faith or fall away by the time they graduate from their post-secondary education. You know, that's over 60% of young believers will leave the faith. What a, what a devastating figure. Let me see. No, it, it, no, church is never easy. All to say that church is never easy. It, it requires consecration, dedication, commitment, and loyalty to the house of God. And it has to be. No, I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? But I want to drive this home. It has to be a huge part of your life. Amen? I mean, where do you go to when you get into trouble? Where do you, where, where do you go to when life gets tough? You know, your attitude is, I'm going to the house of God. I just got to get into the house of God because that's the place where I can find victory. That's the place I need to go. I just need to get into his presence. You know, in the 1600s, churches had these things. They started building these things called belfries. And, and they were actually where they used to house these bells. You know what they were for? Every Sunday morning, these churches would ring the bells. And you could hear the sound of the bells all across the land. And it was a, it was a reminder to the people, it's time to get up it's Sunday and come to church. And they would hear those bells and they would come to church. You know what's true? We need to hear this bell in our spirit. We need to hear this bell. And there are, you know, and it's, never, it's true, never before has, has the devil silenced this sound in the heart of millions of Christians and they never hear and therefore they never give up, never get up and then therefore they never show up. You know, it's, 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 we need to show up in the house of God with the attitude, I've got to get to Jesus because I don't want to see my family fall to the wayside. Amen? You know, when you bring your church, when you bring your family to church, you're giving them something literally that money cannot buy. Listen, the greatest thing about the church, last point, the church is a gift. It's an incredibly wonderful gift. We know it's bought for, paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have a saying here, and we and in our home church, and 
Red Deer has a saying, and I, and I think it's such a great saying. Everybody needs Jesus, and everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. So when you see that believer out in the street, he says, I know Jesus, but I don't go to church. He doesn't say, no, no, no. Yeah, you need Jesus, but you also need a home. Amen? You cannot survive. You cannot be that productive people, a person that God called you to be without the church. You know, I say, what a wonderful gift. What a wonderful gift we have in this in, called home, our church, right? And what a wonderful, wonderful place to come together every single week, week to worship God. It's a, it's a gift. And so many people don't have this gift. And we who have this gift, wow, we should be so thankful for that gift, shouldn't we? The church is beautiful in every situation, for every situation. You know, no matter what struggles that we're going through, um, you know, uh, the church is the place that we need to be, especially when you're going through struggles. And it's funny, isn't it? I've seen people, when they go through struggles, what do they do? They stay out of church. It's like, it's the place you need to be. The very place you need to be is in church. Well, I'm not feeling, I'm, I'm kind of depressed today. I'm going to stay home from church. What? Get to church, you know? He'll lift your spirit. You'll get rid of that depression. You'll get your eyes on you. He's the answer. Every problem to every solution is Jesus, his house, his church. Amen? Amen. The church is beautiful for every situation, in every situation. And the church is the place for miracles. They have a place in God's house. Amen? Miracles. Faith. Hope. Miracles. Better is one day in his courts, in his church, than a thousand anywhere else. Amen? Church, sometimes it's hard to get to. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. But I want to tell you, it is worth it. Do you agree? Then say amen. 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 Bow your heads. Father in heaven. Father in heaven. I pray that you would drive this revelation deep into our hearts, deep into our souls, how powerful a place the church plays in our life. And as, uh, as we get so in love and passionate about your house, let it, let it just exude out of us so that there's so many people that are hopeless and helpless, even Christians, kind of attending church, but they don't have really put the value in the house and haven't really fully dedicated themselves to it, would get the vision and say, you know, I see something in your life. Have you dedicated your life to God and his house? And I see the impact it's making and the change it's making in your life. And I want to be a part of it too. Father, let there be a free flow into the house of God. Let no one be left outside the house who belongs to Jesus. So I thank you for this word that you will drive it home deep into our souls this morning. And Father, will you stay with me this morning? In fact, can you put your hand in your heart and you will say this, these words with me today? Father in heaven, give me a heart for your house. Same kind of heart the sons of Korah had. May my flesh and my heart Cry out for the living God. Today I declare my dedication, my loyalty, my service to Jesus and to his house and to his mission. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. Just keep your heads bowed. Eyes closed. I'm going to say, you know, maybe they're, you're here today. And you're someone who's never made a commitment to Jesus. You thought about it. Maybe you made some sort of confession, but, you know, you never fully dedicated your heart. You've never given up your old life so that you could receive his new life. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in a powerful prayer. Or maybe you're someone who's one time has invited Christ into your heart, but you've drifted far away from him. It's time to give your life to Jesus, or it's time to give your you to give your life back again to Jesus to rededicate your life. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in this prayer. And but I want you to say it with all your heart, okay? Bow your heads, close your eyes, say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for every sin that I have committed. Thank you that you shed your blood on the cross to pay for all my sins. And today, Lord, I receive you into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now, please keep your eyes closed, head bowed. If you said that prayer for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand and just wave it so that we can see it. Over here, anyone gave my life to Christ. I received them into my heart. Okay. If you said that prayer and you're here, we just, right after the service, please go to the Connections desk back there. It's called Connections Kiosk. We have a Bible for you next steps in your faith walk and this great journey in your relationship with God. If you said that online, touch that hand. We'll connect you with someone too as well. Amen? Amen. Wow. Thank you, Father. Good to be in the house. Did you get a bit convicted? Did you feel more like, yeah, church needs to be a great part of my life? Amen. Amen. So good.